So start off with a few questions here in terms of what it means to be a citizen and a nation, because that's what we're going to look at in the passage today. Let me ask this one. Is it okay not to pay your taxes if you disagree with the direction of the nation? Some of you are going, is there a Bible verse that would give me that answer? That would be amazing. What about nonviolent protests or marches? Are those okay? Uh, if you happen to meet a politician with whom you strongly disagree, is it okay to, you know, maybe throw a tomato at him? That happens a lot. Did you know that? Emmanuel Macron, the leader of France, two months ago, he's in, this, in public, and people started pelting him with cherry tomatoes. And Sarah Palin, same thing happened to her several years ago. Just Google that one. You'll go, why do people like to throw tomatoes at politicians? I don't know what's up with that, but it's got a long history. Is that okay to do? Uh, when you see injustice, you know, oppression, racism, whatever, is civil, civil disobedience, is that acceptable for, for someone who's a follower of Jesus? What about a totalitarian state? Let's say you live in a Muslim country in the Middle East, and they tell you it's absolutely against the law to share your faith. Do you follow that law? Maybe the overall question is this. Would you say that government as a whole is intrinsically good or evil? You might go, well, it depends on whether they give me that traffic ticket or not. You know, then I'll answer the question, right? Which one would it be? What, what is it? You know, you know, the Bible gives us some really clear answers on this one. If you were to turn to one passage in the scripture that you say, uh, which one deals with that, it would be Romans chapter 13. I'm going to invite you to turn there with me. If you don't have a paper Bible, you can go on your phone, and the Bible app is a free app. You'll see the picture of it up here on the screen, and you can download that. Just put your phone over that QR code, and uh, it'll bring it up, and it's an awesome app. To those of you uh, who are engaging with us from Lorraine Correctional, all you guys, great to have you with us again. And as we prayed for those who are engaging from other places, many of you online, we're really grateful to have you with us today. And... Um, Hope that your week is one that you see God at work in your life. So Romans chapter 13, one of the attractions of the Bible is the practical relevance for everyday living. That is not just sort of a spiritual guide, like how do you pray, how do you encounter the Holy Spirit, what does it say about heaven and hell, all that. That's, that's true, but it also tells us how do you live as a citizen within a country. Like 24-7, how do you be the kind of employee that honors God? <clears throat> how do you deal with your family? How do you interact with neighbors? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus in every sphere of life? And so what the Bible makes really clear is this, that it's not only concerned with my horizontal relationship with God, the Bible and God himself is very interested in my, uh, did I say horizontal, my vertical, you go like that, is not horizontal right there, unless you go like this. Uh, you're not only concerned your vertical relationship with God, but your horizontal relationships with the people around you, right? Including what does it look like to be a citizen of a nation, even if that nation is not honoring God, that you would say, I want to be the kind of person who does. So Romans chapter 13 here, I want you to specifically listen for who Paul says is the architect of government, okay? He won't make you wait very long. Verse 1, Romans 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which, would you read the next three words aloud with me? God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. 
Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do it as right, and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. In other words, they don't, you know, dispense justice, carry weapons for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to sub submit to authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let's just start with this question. Who is the designer of government? It's whose idea? It's God's, right? Verse one says, all governments have been placed in power by God. Verse four, the authorities are sent by God to help you. So the clear teaching of the Bible is this, that government is God's idea. In fact, God has delegated to us the responsibility of governing ourselves. So he did that in the Garden of Eden. He told Adam and Eve, he said, you're, 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 this garden is yours, and I want you to care for the garden that I've entrusted to you. He gave the nation of Israel leaders. He put leaders in the family. He puts leaders in the church. And, and for the nation as well, he says, these are leaders that I'm giving to you, authorities, however imperfect, as a gift, which means we can say with confidence that government it is, the, is the design of God, not of people. People might be used by God to establish government, but government is not evil, is not a result of the fall, you know, when people first turn their backs on God in Genesis chapter three, but it's a gift intended for the good of citizens. And that's what Paul writes here in Romans 13 under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and he details two primary responsibilities of the government. Then we're gonna look at two implications for us today, and then two benefits of following through, okay? So if you missed the notes on the way in, there are tables there, just go to the website, gracieme.org, click the bulletin right on the homepage, and you'll see the notes right there uh, in the bulletin for today. So whether local or national, two responsibilities for the government, number one is this, to restrain evil, especially in protecting citizens. The last part of verse four, the authorities are established by God for that very purpose to punish those who do wrong. In other words, you ought to be able to live in a society and say, generally speaking, if people do wrong to me, they're gonna be punished for that. Or, there, or I, have, I have an appeal I can make. That the government is, is here to say, hey, there's some laws and you gotta follow them. Why do we even have laws? James Madison, way back in one of our early, you know, people in our nation's history in the Federalist Papers said this. He said, if men were angels, we would need no laws, but most of the men I know are not angels, and so we do, right? And not just men, it's not just speaking of humans in general. I, I think maybe he meant men only, because uh, probably more women are angels. <laughs> but unfortunately, there are still people who throw tomatoes at politicians, who still drive under the influence, who still inflict violence on people that they are really called to love, and. And so when government functions properly, uh, what they do is they restrain evil for the good of citizens, that government officials, that's their role, is they say, we have a duty to protect. I talked to one of the area police chiefs, and he said, this community that I, I'm the police chief for, like, this is, this is my territory. Like, I'm here to protect it for all of the citizens in, in this who live in this community. Now, what if government fails? What, what do you do if... if 
if you're like, man, I, 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 I was wronged and, and nothing's being done about it. Well, first of all, you can appeal, right? You can appeal. There's even legal ways to do that. You know that Jesus himself, one time Jesus is, he's on trials, John chapter 18, and Jesus is whacked across the face. And you might say, well, he said, if you're hit on one cheek, what should you do? Hey, here's this one right here. No, he, you know what Jesus does? If you write down on your notes, John 18, 23, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, if I said something, he's asking the authorities, if I said something wrong, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? He appealed. Paul the apostle does the same thing. He, he appeals mistreatment. He does it, if you write this verse down, Acts 25, 11. So John 18, 23, Acts 25, 11. Um, but you still might say, well, if I appeal and like Jesus and Paul and, and there's still a clear injustice and I don't have my day in court of fairness, what do I do? Or what about governments that routinely abuse their people? What do you do? Back one chapter, Romans chapter 12, you turn just back one chapter here, you'll see in chapter 12, verse 19, here's what it says. It says, God says, it is mine to avenge, I will what? Repay. So there are times that you and I will say, I didn't get justice. There have been periods in our nation's history in particular where people didn't get justice, and even today that happens, and happens globally. We can say, ultimately, God, I entrust myself to you. I'm not gonna take vengeance personally. Because you have said it, it is yours to avenge and you will repay. And sometimes he does it through government. Sometimes he does it through direct consequences that you'll go, I don't know if that, you know, someone will suffer the results of what they've done. Uh, or ultimately before God and judgment. But the ideal is this, that a government is to, is to set boundaries on the behavior of people and then to penalize them when they blow through those to restrain evil. But it's not just the negative. There's also a positive, secondly, to not only restrain evil, but to reward good. The last phrase of verse three says this in chapter 13. Do what is right and you will be commended. It's a parallel passage in 1 Peter chapter two. And Peter says this. He says, government authorities are sent to punish those who do wrong, that's the restraining evil, and to honor those who do right. Now, I'm not sure the government always does this real well, uh, but there are times that, that they do, and maybe you've seen, like, what will happen? A soldier will do something in battle, and what do they get? They get a, a purple heart, or you'll see the president put a, you know, the, around a person's neck, the Congressional Medal of Honor, right? And they honor, I even saw some police officers recently, they, they were stopping people, to, and, and if you weren't, um, you know, driving on the influence. There's some kind of like little gift card or whatever, like Starbucks, whatever that they gave. They're, they're rewarding good behavior that they were saying, we want to promote the good and penalize the wrong. So that's the goal of, of government, restrain evil, reward uh, good, and is instituted by none other than God. It's his idea. So if that's the case, then what is my response as a citizen, especially as a person who says, I want to honor God? Um, and so there's a few things here that uh, we mentioned. Number one, obey the laws of society. Look at verse two again. Paul writes this. Anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, which means this. This is tough. Listen to this. Disobeying the government means disobeying whom? God. 
which you could say for a lot of the authorities in our lives, that God has instituted authority. So do I have the option of going, you know what? I know it says on the highway there that I'm supposed to yield getting onto the highway, but I don't yield to anybody, all right? That's just not who I am. Do you have the option of saying that? No, you do that. You're not only rebelling against the government, you're, you're actually rebelling against God, and you may end up really inflicting some pain on somebody else if you end up colliding with someone as you get on the highway. Do you have the ability to stick it to a leader you don't like, to throw tomatoes? No, you, you don't. Um, if I act in violation to authority, I'm dishonoring the Lord, unless. Some of you are going, oh, wait, 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 time out, John. Is there no exception to this? Turn back one book to the left, the book of Acts, or if you're in the Bible app, just one of the first letters you'll come to in the table of contents there, Acts, is, uh, tells the story of the early church. And in Acts chapter five, the early followers of Jesus meet opposition. For this reason, they're telling other people about Jesus. And the authorities go, you can't do that. You can't tell people about Jesus and you know that we're sort of responsible for putting him on the cross. And there's a showdown, and here's what it says in Acts chapter five, verse 27. It says, the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin. That's a, a group of about 70 authorities who are on this council to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in the name of Jesus, they said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. So how does Peter respond? Peter and the other apostles replied, hey, totally got it. We will shut our mouths and you can count on not hearing from us again. Now what do they say? Would you read that phrase with me? We must obey God rather than human beings. So here's the only exception uh, to not obeying an authority. When government or really any other leader in your life clearly steps out from under God's authority, we are free or even obligated to disobey. You can look at it this way. I'm gonna give just a sort of, I should have done something more like visual on display here, but let's say this. You and I are right here. We're citizens in the country of the United States, right? We have government, we have local government, state, county, whatever, and then you have God. And so we are here, the government is meant to be like an umbrella of protection, restrain evil, reward good, and then you have God above. So here's when I can disobey. When government right here pulls way out over here and I can either obey them and conflict to my relationship with God or I can be, obey God and conflict with the government, which one do I do? We must obey God rather than human authorities, right? And so we do that. Now that doesn't mean that you go, you know what, I know they're telling me to pay my taxes, but I don't think, I, I, I hate paying taxes. I don't think, you know, God would want me to, and we sort of craft this way of, no, we're saying only very clear instances that you've been told to go against the ways of God. Let's think of a few examples in addition to Peter here. Peter goes, you're asking us not to tell about Jesus and what he's done for us. I'm sorry, we, can, we can't stop talking about that. Think about in the Old Testament. You have these midwives in, in Egypt who were told, you read the book of Exodus and it says this, that they're told by the Pharaoh that if a baby boy is born, we want you to take him and, and do what? Throw the baby in the Nile River. Let him drown. Who do they obey? They go, and themselves, we can't do that. We're not, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna participate in fantasy. That'd be crazy. And so they obey God and not them. You think of Rahab. Rahab's a prostitute, right? Joshua, you read about her, and she has these two spies who come in from Israel. 
and the authorities find out, hey, did you have these two spies at your place? You know, we, presumably they're going to put them to death. And Rahab goes, hey, I, don't, I don't know. I think they left. They went, you know, somewhere. And she protects them because she doesn't want to participate in their murders. Or how about Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go, um, as I used to tell my kids, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, in the book of Daniel. And they're told you, whenever you hear the music play, you have to bow down and, and, and worship this idol. And they're like, you know what? We can't do that. Sorry. And you can put us in the fiery furnace before we will do that. And they face the consequences for the behavior from government in order to obey God. So is there a time to say, I'm not going to obey government? Yes, when clearly when doing so would clearly violate your relationship with, with God. You say, here I stand, I can do no other. So help me God. So in summary, we're to follow the laws and mandates of the government, except where obedience to government is in direct conflict with God's word. Now, does that give me a right to say, you know what, I think I'm gonna start a revolution uh, or attack a business that I disapprove of? Not at all. You, you don't end up burning some, a building down that you go, what they're doing is wrong, or I'm gonna attack this government building or whatever. We can participate in peaceful, nonviolent protests, but we don't do something that defaces property or people or businesses. Instead, we say, I have a legislative way of dealing with that. I can elect leaders who will implement better laws. We can, we can go that route, but we don't we, we don't just take the law into our own hands. We don't become a government unto ourselves. Um, and so we say, number one, we obey the government unless to do so is a clear violation of my relationship with Christ. What does it mean to obey, though? Paul doesn't leave us guessing here in Romans 13. He lists two practical ways for us to follow through. For one, he says in verse six, six pay your taxes. Give to everyone what you owe them. Uh, your taxes and import duties. In other words, if you've got some kind of tariff to pay, you own a business or whatever. Have you ever heard these, if you want to hear some crazy stuff, listen to late night radio, like middle of the night. Have you ever been on, like you're taking a road trip, you're on the 12-hour road trip we talked about earlier, you're like, I got to stay awake, and you're listening, you're going, these people are, some of them are whacked. You ever heard some of them? <laughs> and you know, the one guy here, he's going, you want to know a way not to pay taxes? You know, I'll tell you a way. It's like a guy I heard a few years ago, he says, Pastor Jonathan, he goes, man, I'm off the grid, man. I gave up my social security number. I'm not paying tax. You know how much money I'm saving every year? He goes, awesome. It's totally legal, man. And I'm like, he says, do you want me to? <laughs> what does Paul say here? He goes, if you owe taxes, do what? Pay your taxes. Pay the taxes that you owe. Um, Jesus, every time he talked about taxes, you know what he said? Pay your taxes. Let's look at one example here because it's sort of an interesting story. Back in Matthew chapter 17, first book of the New Testament, um, here's what Jesus says. And uh, he's, he's been asked to pay a tax for the local temple or for the, you know, the temple in Jerusalem. And, and here's what happens in Matthew chapter 17, uh, verse 24. Uh, Jesus, they're told to pay the temple tax. You'll see the little heading there. It says, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Well, Jesus goes on a little bit and he goes, hey, we actually should not have to pay that tax because he gives us illustrations more applicable to first century than to us today. But then in verse 27, Jesus gives a final answer. He says, hey, Peter, 
so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them from my tax and yours. Hey, just before we talk about taxes, if any of you guys are looking for a reason to go out fishing for walleye, and you're like, I, I know, but honey, is, I just need to pay our taxes, and you never know where you're gonna find in some fish's mouth, right? This is a crazy story, but Jesus says, we'll pay the tax, but I'm gonna just do a little bit of like a miracle in the process here. And, and guess that, but here's the point. Um, Jesus is saying this, my integrity is always more important than holding on to my money. So even if I think, you know what, I could probably fudge here and fudge there and not pay all my taxes, Jesus is saying, you know what, so that we, verse 27, we may not, so that we may not offend people, pay your taxes. In other words, in Jesus' mind, there's no sense in risking your witness, your example, uh, in order to avoid paying what the IRS says that you owe. Uh, so pay your taxes. Obey the government, pay your taxes, and then, uh, and then thirdly, he says this back in Romans chapter 13, verse 7, the last part of the verse, he says, and give respect and honor to all to whom it is due. That's the police officer, that's your councilwoman, that's the firefighter, it's the building inspector, the mayor, the senator, the president. Show respect and honor. All right, can we be real honest on this one? How do you think we're doing as a nation on this one? Yeah, not very good. Even Christians, right? Sometimes you look at someone's Facebook post and you go, oh my goodness. Like they're just tearing to shreds or absolutely ridiculing a leader. And they think it's funny and they might go, oh, come on, the guy's a joker. Of course I'm an, I mean, what's the, you know, he's, a, he's an idiot. I think Paul would go, that, that wasn't quite what I meant by honor and respect, you know? He says, honor and respect. Doesn't matter what everybody else does. You say, I'm not going to do it. You go, well, I, I don't agree with them. I think they're, I think they're corrupt. I th blah, 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 blah. What, what? You know, there's a line you'll see here on the screen that says this. The position deserves respect even if the person's actions do not. Would you read that one aloud with me? Let's say it together, ready? The position deserves respect even if the person's actions do not. You think of Paul's own context. Do you think that the ruling class of the Roman Empire was an upstanding bunch of people? Man, far from it. Still, Paul writes, he goes, give honor and respect to those to whom it is due. And let's just add this. This is not just for government leaders. This is for any leader in your life. I remember when Mary and I were first married and her dad... He's, uh, he's now gone, um, but it was hard to find a card that fit her father. He didn't pay child support. He left when she was four. He missed most of her birthdays. He didn't come to our wedding. He, he just, he would come right to town and he wouldn't see us. And we, we were like really kind to him. Like there was nothing that had gone wrong. He just didn't really care. So do you just go, Mary said, you know what? I can respect him for the position he has as my dad, even if I don't respect his behavior. That can be true of your supervisor at work. It can be true of the homeowners association president. It can be true of whomever. You just go, this person is an authority, even if I don't agree with them. 
I can still be polite and gracious and show them respect and even thank them for the things that they do well. Now, just briefly, if that's the role of government, restrain evil, reward good, and we have ours, obey, pay taxes, pay honor and respect, what are the benefits for doing that? You know, God, it's interesting, in, Roman, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, it says, these are the commands that God is giving you today for your own good, right? So God, every command you read about in the Bible, there's always, there's some kind of good behind it. Even if it doesn't tell us what it is, there's always some God's going, I care about you. And that's why there's these guardrails up right now because I, I want you to experience my best. So what are the benefits of obeying those in authority? Well, Paul tells us, you're number one, you can live with less fear. This is generally true anyhow, that there are times we agree that there are corrupt leaders who cause fear, or there are people that are just unjust, but generally speaking, he's saying that if you will follow the law, that you will dial down your levels of fear. Verse three, here's how he says it. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do it as right, and they will honor you. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid. What does he mean by that? Let's say you're doing your taxes, you know, it's back in April, and you're like, man, I could save another 500 bucks, and I don't think they're even gonna audit me. The IRS is so overwhelmed right now. And so you just, you know, you, you just take $500 from the government that really you should pay. What happens? You end up living with this in the back of your head. You're going, I wonder if I'm going to get audited. I would hate to be audited. And you end up, you dial up your anxiety, right? You live in a little bit of fear. Or let's say you blow through a traffic light purposely, not just the mistake kind, but you blow through a traffic light. You're looking around going, is there a cop car around here? Is there a, one of those traffic cameras? Is that a traffic camera up there? And you end up living, and, and not only you, but the people around you, like any law that you decide to break, you sort of dial up anxiety in your life, and you do it for the people around you. Paul says, you know what, when you, when you say, you know what, I'm gonna follow what they tell me I'm supposed to do, I don't have to worry about registered mail, I don't have to worry about who's trying to try to call me or show up at my door or whatever, I'm gonna live with, generally speaking, less fear. I'm gonna dial down my anxiety. Second benefit, closely tied to that, look at verse five. He says, so you must obey the government for two reasons, to keep from being punished and to keep a what? A clear conscience. So the second benefit, you enjoy a clear conscience. I had a friend uh, who had a, bottom, a little line at the bottom of his email that said this, the softest pillow is a what? Clean conscience. Some of you have heard that before, right? You just go to bed and you're like, oh my goodness, it's just good, right? I'm not anxious about are they gonna find out what's gonna happen? And even in relationships with people to say, Paul says in the last chapter in Romans 12, he says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody, right? Where you go, hey, they still, they're still upset about something, but I've done my part and just said, hey, I'm so sorry that I caused offense, would you forgive me? And, and it's just off your shoulders, you know? And, and you're following through. It's not that we never mess up, but when we do, we, we make it right and we go, hey, what I said there or some kind of law, you just go, I, I'm gonna make this right. I, I got a, a traffic ticket or a parking ticket. Just pay it and be done with it and say it's, it's over, right? You can live with this sense of a clean conscience. And then as we wrap up here, let me just, ultimately, this is about not a relationship with the local police, mayor, governor, president, whoever, prosecutor, it's about a relationship with whom? With God himself, right? And so if I want my relationship with him to be in, in, in right standing, 
I'm like, God, I, I want to do this. I'm doing this even if I disagree with some of the local statutes or laws or whatever. God, I'm doing this for you. And when we do that, here's number three. Last point in your notes, it says this. You can point others to Jesus Christ. Like you help other people to see something different. Parallel passage I read earlier, 1 Peter 2. You'll see these verses on the screen. Peter says this. Be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will believe and give honor to God when he comes to judge the world. For the Lord's sake, accept what? All authority. I want to ask, are you doing that today? Can you say, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty well accepting all authority. Are you known as a person who honors and respects those in authority in your life? Whatever role that you have, that you say, man, you know, when we do that, well, I think we can say this. Being a follower of Jesus is more than being a good citizen or being a good employee. But why would I ever sacrifice my integrity or my witness for Christ by saying, I'm just, there's gonna be a breakdown in the way I keep laws or don't keep them or whatever. What would it look like for you and me to dial up our level of respect and honor in this area to say, God, I'm not doing this for that person who's in whatever governmental role. God, I'm doing this for you. And when I do it for you, here's, what I, here's the promise you give, that I am, by my honorable behavior, I'm gonna point other people to you and they're going to, to believe in you. Some will believe in you because of my example. We saw that last week, that, that, that my, the way I live will be an attraction to people to want to know you. Isn't that what you want? To say, Lord, by the, by the way that I live my life, by my integrity, I want other people to ask questions and go, there's something you have that I want. Let's ask him to do that for us. Would you pray with me? And let's just invite him to have his way in us, okay? So Holy Spirit, we just pray right now that you would shape our hearts, Lord, where we have, have not been in alignment with you. We just, first of all, we ask your forgiveness. And maybe some of us have said, I, I've done some things wrong or probably need to make that right or this right. But we're asking you to not only forgive us, but would you strengthen us to live in a way that honors you, that will be an attraction to others, that they'll go, there's something about you and the way you live your life, that you, you have a sense of peace, there's integrity, um, and, and I just, I want the kind of faith that you have. So Lord, I, I pray, build that within us, and may we honor you in the process, I pray. Jesus, thank you for your patience with us. I know I get it wrong, probably all get it wrong at times, but thank you for being so gracious and giving us another chance and one more after that. Um, we want to accept your grace and walk in your ways. So thank you for being with us on the journey. In your name we pray, amen.